report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. He laser clickers. Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we're going to be discussing the second Star Wars book to be released in the new canon, titled Tarkin. And I'll give you one guess uh, who the main character is. But before we get into the actual book... It's we've starring got... in Even Peel, right? Starring Even Peel, of course. Thank you. Oh, geez, Even Peel. Even Peel uh, can't stay away. Even Peel gets a reference, though. I know. that was yeah, So... <laughs> Okay, before we get to announcements, I was reading the book on the plane and I bust out laughing because there's a sentence that starts with like even peel dot dot dot. And yeah. I, I read it the wrong way. Like it's I read it as even peel didn't or would do this or wouldn't do this. I'm like not okay. Anyway, oh, we have a ton long, of announcements. Long, long running joke. Yeah. Carried over from our last show. But so I hey, to... by the way, let's get to the announcements. Like Steven said, William, would you like to take them? Sure, Tom. I would like to. Um, we actually have a ton of announcements today, as Stephen said. Um, as I'm sure you guys probably know, Celebration Anaheim is now less than a month away. In fact, in exactly a month, we'll be done with Celebration. Uh, wow. So it's hard to believe that, you know, Tom, we actually haven't gotten a chance to meet in person. And so we're going to do that for the first time uh, at Celebration Anaheim. which will be a big deal for us. Of it's course, be a lot of fun. Yeah, seeing... Uh, uh, all of you guys there, we're uh, looking forward to meeting up with all of you and spending time hanging out, uh, just enjoying Star Wars. It's going to be a blast. Oh, so um, the official schedule <clears throat> still has not been revealed yet, but um, things are being announced here and there. Um, you know, they, they started talking about when uh, the, uh, the Clone Wars, sorry, not the Clone Wars, the Rebels Season 2 uh, red carpet and premiere will be, uh, that'll be on Saturday um, all sorts of stuff going on. Really exciting. Can't wait. Uh, we will be there covering it all for Ion Cannon. So um, get ready. Uh, yeah, the, the, the episode, the premiere will be from 5 p.m. to 6.30 p.m., which tells me it's either like three episodes or three or four episodes. Or um, I thought they they'll, they'll probably do... have a Q&A as well. So my guess is it's like probably two episodes with a Q&A. Yeah, I thought there was supposed to be the Fire Across the Galaxy going into, if I read the email correctly, going into the first, because I think the first episode's a two-parter coming back. So, unless I read the email wrong, but... Right, well, we'll have to wait and find out, I expect. There is just too much information out there right now. Yeah. It's, well, uh, it's exciting. Okay, I'd go with the opposite. There's not enough. I need well, to know what panels are going to be there and all sorts of things. But yeah, but when it, yeah, okay, good point. In, in, t- in time. Good point. I think I've, I've got my cons mixed up. There's too much information for the other one I'm going to before celebration. So. <laughs> Why aren't you lucky? We'll be going yeah, to WonderCon, I believe. Yes, I am yeah. heading to WonderCon again, but this time I will just be there to enjoy the con. Lovely. Yes. Anyway, so William, what other huge, crushingly huge announcement do we have? Um, I don't think the rest of the news is that big. Um, just a, really? a Star Wars film announcement. Oh, is yeah, that, that happens no, so all no, the time. No big deal, right? 
Yeah. No, no, no um, absolutely no big deal. Star Wars Rogue One is the name of the first Star Wars spinoff film that's being directed by Gareth Edwards and as previously announced and written by Chris Weitz. And it'll be also starring Felicity Jones. Um, both uh, Chris Weitz and Felicity Jones were um, Oscar nominees this year. I believe. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Felicity Jones w- garnered an Academy Award. Uh, yeah, she got and um, Chris Weiss nominee. was an Oscar nominee. Um, and the story for this film, we don't know any details yet, but the story is from John Nolan. It'll be re- released on December 16th, 2016. So just one year after The Force Awakens. Steven, oh, as our resident... <laughs> As our All I want fan, is Wedge. Yeah, I mean, Rogue it's, One, that seems to imply that the rogues will be involved. I would hope. If, maybe. Are we getting a Rogue Squadron movie? All all I want is, a, if it's even remotely an adaptation of X-Wing, I would, I would be indescribably happy. Probably not what's going to happen, all things considered. Um, I yeah, know Michael Stackpole wrote an article. Um, on his blog saying that, you know, really excited for the movie. He has no knowledge to offer of it. Not involved in any way. Obviously, he was the, uh, one of the writers of the Rogue Squadron series. But uh, the whole point is really excited and really nervous because it's the type of thing they could screw up and I'd be scared. You know, I, I have faith in the team at, at Lucasfilm at this point, but uh, we'll see. We will see. Um, also, in really exciting news... When, uh, you know, we, we've got The Force Awakens this December, December 18th. We've got Rogue One the following December 16th, um, you know, just two days shy of a year later. Uh, and then just a few months later, in on May 26th, 2017, uh, so, you know, about five months later, we will get Star Wars Episode 7. directed you mean by Episode 8? I'm sorry. Direct, <laughs> thank you. Wow. There you go. Episode Correct. 7 will too probably be... Too much excitement. Surprise! Way, 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 way too much excitement. So much The Force so much Awakens and uh, the sequel, The Force Awakens 2. The Force hits the snooze button. Will be released <laughs> on... No, I'm kidding. Uh, on May 26, 2017. Uh, directed by Ryan Johnson. So that is exciting that we'll have two star films within effectively five, five and a half months of each other. Wow. See, Tom, this is your point to say, you know, back in my day, we had to wait three years to see new Star Wars movies. I never, I never thought, wait a minute, if, if you want me to do it properly, hey, back in my day, we had to wait, what, it was 79, then I think 81, then somewhere in 83, uh, it never got it back to back this quick. Yeah. good enough? <laughs> I love it, Tom. <laughs> Perfect. Well uh, done. But yeah. The you make me feel slightly yeah, but this like is, that. Five months and ten days between the two well, films. Yeah, but but it's not just that. It's you're getting you're getting a sequel, then you're getting something that's a spinoff movie that has nothing to do with it, and then you're getting the next. I mean, yeah. in in, wow. in one year and five months, we're getting three Star Wars films. That is mind-blowingly awesome. Well, think about the merchandise that's going to be out there for all this. I mean, this is the wow. plan going forward. This is what they've done with Marvel. Yeah, and they're returning Star Wars to May. Which is good. 
yeah. I have to agree with that, which is good. So I know someone speculated that maybe December would be where Star Wars is for the foreseeable future, but I think what they did is they were just trying to get Star Wars out of the way of a lot of the Marvel stuff and mm-hmm. probably making room to put Star Wars back into its rightful May time slot. So, um, And then more than likely they'll start juggling in the Marvel films too and all the other stuff to just keep May available for Star Wars going forward because that is its logical home. Yeah. So I am so, 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 so excited. There are also rumors that uh, um, uh, that J.J. Abrams may be back to direct episode nine, but that's all rumor at this point. Um, so yeah, we in one day we got news of Star Wars Rogue One and Star Wars episode eight. Uh, so that was quite an exciting exciting day uh let's see makes you wonder what they'll announce you know at celebration i know yeah if they're doing this before celebration wow um it's well remember remember last celebration everything they announced never came to pass but that was before i was pre-acquisition i was like three months before four months before the uh, disney acquisition so i doubt it'll be yeah but also remember words out there already that that Kathleen Kennedy has said, this will be a day long remembered. Yeah. So there has to be something. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, a celebration. And, and they mean, there are also rumors that, you know, on May 4th, we'll get digital re- releases of the entire star Wars saga, possibly detours, um, finally released on May 4th. Uh, so that might be a, an interesting announcement. They could make at celebration. Um, Let's see what else. Uh, there are rumors that you know ABC is considering the Star Wars TV series again, uh, Underworld. Uh, uh, you know what? I, um, they got to be careful. They really have to be careful. I mean, I know here we are, Star Wars fans. Back when when Walt when Disney bought Star Wars, we're all nervous as hell because we saw Clone Wars get canceled. We saw all this stuff just basically disappear and dry up, and now we're getting all this stuff at this point thrown at us. Is it to a point to where it's going to be like too much of an overload and it's like, let's just start spacing things out for a little bit. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm might be, but then again, like, I mean, are people getting tired of the Marvel movies right now? Well, I know there's there's enough variety and I think as long as they try to do that with the star Wars films, uh, I mean, you've got, well, See, At least the, what multiple mul- two or three Marvel movies a year, uh, plus two Marvel television shows right now. Three, I guess, isn't there supposed to be another one on Netflix or something? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah Netflix has a, quite a few. No, but see, that's an interesting question because the way I'd argue that Marvel has been so successful is that Marvel doesn't make uh, superhero movies. They make specific, like you know, uh, Iron Man is an action adventure. Captain America was a war flick. You know, uh, Captain America Two was a spy thriller. Uh, there are Marvel movies that are set in different kinds of genres, if you will. Sure, right? sure. And I don't think that works with Star Wars. Not no. really. They made like Rogue One may be uh, a flavor of that, but you know, I don't, I don't, I have trouble imagining them doing that with the the movies that way to keep it fresh. Or I hope I'd like to see it, you know, remain. It should f- always feel like Star Wars, right? I guess is I, and I that's, and it also gets back to I think we discussed when it and this may have been long, 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 long ago on the podcast, we were talking about how Star Wars, it's always been linear. Mm-hmm. It's always been a linear story. Nothing that kind of, nothing like J.J. Abrams taking Star Trek back in time or going off into a separate universe and all the other stuff. Everything from a certain point just keeps going forward. I know that when it came to Clone Wars, 
it was great that they were able to take the little genres, like they did the Zillow Beast for the monster flick. They did the, oh, what was the one with the the arachnid, um, the arachnid trench. separatist brain invaders trench. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, trench. Sorry. It, it was it was like the submarine the arachnid, one. not this. Yeah. The arachnid one, yeah. uh, trench. That, that's right. See, was right with Admiral Trench, where it was like that. That was more like a submarine feel to it. But that's on a very small half-hour scale. I think Star Wars would have an issue of having it on a larger scale on a bigger screen, because it it, it is what it is. It'll it'll be a challenge. That's where you know it's going to be exciting to see just what it is that happens with the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I can't wait. Uh, it, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, well, more awesomeness is the next one coming down. That's after we we discuss all the movies. But there's another bit of awesome coming if if you want to lean into that one. Yeah. Uh, so um, to tie into the Force Awakens and then lead into it, uh, Lucasfilm is planning twenty, yes, twenty different titles available in print and digital form uh, between now and the release of the film to kind of tease and hint at uh, what happens in the film and also going to catch readers up to speed on the state of the galaxy. Um, <clears throat> so there's a, a whole variety of things from there's a comic series uh, set uh, after Endor and a, a book, uh, an adult fiction book set um, after, you know, Return of the Jedi called Aftermath um, kind of hits you over the head with, uh, with the title in some ways by a uh, newcomer, Chuck Wendig. Um, it's uh, it's actually the only adult fiction novel set before The Force and Awakens, but it is the first of a trilogy, so we'll get parts two and three uh, after the film uh, debuts. Um, actually, if you want, I'll just read you this this the quick summary real quick before you talk about some of the other ones. Um, and it says, The second Death Star has been destroyed. Rumors are flying that the Emperor and his enforcer Darth Vader are dead. A new government is forming to replace the Empire, but the galaxy is a big place, and the fallout of this cataclysm will affect different worlds in different ways. Does everyone accept the fall of Imperial rule? Has everyone even heard the life-altering news? What rushes in to fill the vacuum the Empire has left? And who will try to stop them? So, what do you guys think? I mean, this will hopefully give us an idea of the state of the galaxy and really, like, you know, the Clone Wars era, the older public era, none of those are really being touched at this point. So we can all assume that while they're legends, we can, they're unofficially still valid, you know, mm-hmm. in our minds. But the big one, the big question mark is this post Jedi era where we think everything might be either the same or completely different. And this book, I think, will be that moment where we get the state of the galaxy. And I honestly think there's a lot writing on the book. In many ways, it might alter people's impressions um, of The Force Awakens when they see the state of the galaxy, especially those really hardcore EU fans. Steven, Tom, what are your thoughts on this? I, th- I want to say I think it's telling that they picked a new author to the series. Yeah. Or to pen this series. Because we know they're not, they're certainly not above. Uh, Picking using you know tradition I don't want to say traditional authors but like authors from the previous EU like Christy Golden or James Lucino or John Jackson Miller, but for the big tie-in novel the the one that is arguably the most important in terms of determining the fate of the EU, they picked someone new, which I think is interesting. Well, it it could also be telling because it's look, 
you guys know that now everything that's in, in the past is legend. This is a new author in a new direction that we're going for, going with. And yes, we have the established authors that we've used for other books to establish characters that, you know, are established within this universe that we are creating new. But going forward at this point, this is a new author. So it, I'm taking it that way. I mean, it's definitely, mm -hmm. they're planting their foot saying, this is a new direction. And because it's a new direction, we're not going to go with the standard Timothy's on. We're not going to go with, dare I say her name? No, I'm not. You know, uh, the one that everybody hates, you know, but sorry, I'm not going to say it. Um, <laughs> but they picked a newcomer and I think they picked it for a reason. Yeah, I, I fully agree. Yeah. Not to make it sound like I walked in a circle, but, you know, I think that's that's what it is. So it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very interesting to see once The Force Awakens hits the theaters how the impact is on the Star Wars universe. Yeah. And this is this is actually something I want to touch on a little bit when we get into our review of Tarkin because I have I have some thoughts on that. Okay. But I'll, I'll leave that until, okay. until later. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in other book news, um, we got a little blurb uh, from uh, Dark Jedi, which is written by Christy Golden. This, as Clone Wars fans likely know, uh, will conclude, I suspect, or at least continue Asajj Ventress's story from uh, the Clone Wars. You know, she had a very interesting arc where um, she almost kind of started to, in in some ways, redeem herself, you know, or... Mm -hmm. or kind of turn against uh, Dooku and, and the Sith. And um, her storyline was really just dropped in the Clone Wars. And so Christy Golden will be picking it up based on um, unproduced scripts for uh, the series and will be telling this tale. And it's very interesting. It's it's starring um, uh, Quinlan Voss and Asajj Ventress. And they're actually going to be teaming up against, uh, against Dooku. I'll read you the quick description real um, it's actually a bit of a long one, but we'll see. The only way to bring down the dark side's most dangerous warrior may be for the Jedi and Sith to join forces. In the war for control of the galaxy between the armies of the dark side and the Republic, former Jedi master turned ruthless Sith Lord Count Dooku has grown ever more brutal in his tactics. Despite the powers of the Jedi and the military prowess of their clone army, the sheer number of fatalities is taking a terrible toll. And when Dooku orders the massacre of a flotilla of helpless refugees, the Jedi Council feels it has no choice but to take drastic action, targeting the man responsible for so many war atrocities, Count Dooku himself. But the ever-elusive Dooku is a dangerous prey for even the most skilled hunter, so the Council makes the bold decision to bring both sides of the Force's power to bear, pairing brash Jedi, Quin Jedi Knight Quinlan Voss with infamous one-time Sith acolyte Asajj Ventress. Though Jedi distrust for the cunning killer who once served at Dooku's side still runs deep, Ventress's hatred for her former master runs deeper. She's more than willing to lend her copious talents as a bounty hunter and assassin to Voss's quest. Together, Ventress and Voss are the only hope for eliminating Dooku, as long as the emerging feelings between them don't compromise their mission. But Ventress is determined to have her retribution and at last let go of her dark Sith past. Balancing the complicated emotions she feels for Voss and the fury of her warrior spirit, she resolves to claim victory on all fronts, a vow that will be mercilessly tested by her deadly enemy and her own doubt. It sounds like toward the end of this book, she will either be 
still an assassin, or if I remember in the series, they kind of flashed that she was originally a a, a Night. Padawan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So it, it's kind of like they're kind hitting, redeeming. yeah, kind of redeeming her or trying to redeem her in this. We'll never know until we get the book, but it seems that's kind of what they're trying to do with her. How that plays going forward, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm, I'm excited just to get more, more Clone Wars, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, although it's not branded as such. Just like uh, we had the Darth Maul comic and right. the uh, unfinished episodes last fall. Um, yeah, the Budapau arc. Exactly. So, yep. uh, And, of course, the one they, they completed and, and released on Netflix a year ago. So that's all exciting. Um, let's see. Um John Williams uh, will also be recording the Forced Awakens soundtrack uh, soon in Los Angeles. This is the first time that the London Symphony Orchestra will not be recording a Star Wars film, but uh, Williams has not left the country in uh, about a decade, and so it's no surprise that he's not traveling to London. Um, I'm honestly surprised they're not just flying the LSO out, but uh, maybe mm, they good point. maybe they only prepare uh, you know they only play at uh, at Abbey Road, um, so yeah, first time uh, with a new orchestra for the main Star Wars films. But John Williams is still behind the helm. Uh, he will not be recording the soundtrack for Rogue One. Uh, I believe that's supposed to be Alexandre Desplat, um, oh. who was uh, I think he either won an Oscar or was nominated. Um, for his work on was the the movie about the the hotel, I think it was. Oh, uh, Grand Budapest. Yes, the Grand Budapest. Yeah, Uh, which I I have not seen, but I heard the music is pretty good. So, Uh, and he works with um, he works with uh, Gareth Edwards quite a bit. So, that's it in uh, in Star Wars news. I will say on a more personal note, I finally had a chance to check out Star Wars and the Power of Costume uh, earlier today. Oh, how was that? It was really cool. Um, it was cool to see all of the the detail in person and you know um, and, and see all the costumes. I mean, I, we've seen them before at different Star Wars events. They've been they they brought them to celebration in the past and that sort of thing. But it was really cool. I went with um, uh, a friend of mine and uh, a former my former boss actually. Uh, and she's like really into costume design. And so it was, it was fascinating. Cause like I knew all the star Wars stuff and she had new stuff about costume design. I went with some other friends as well. And she was talking about how like the amount of detail, uh, on the costume. She was actually surprised by there wasn't as much detail as she was expecting because it was for a film and how, you know, the costume designers knew that, Oh, because this is for a film, they might not have as much stitching on like the edges or, or whatnot because the camera would be further back or mm-hmm. that's the thing. And so like the, the level of detail and attention that they put into certain things being there or, or, or not being there intentionally was, was very interesting to hear her talk about uh, at least her, her, that was her observation um, based on what she saw of the costumes and stuff. And so anyway, it was, it was fascinating, a really great exhibit. Um, there was less original trilogy stuff, I guess, than I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they had all that the, overly surprises made up. They had all the you know original. Yeah, they had like all the obviously the the uniforms for the, the Imperials, and they had um, you know R two D two and C three PO, and they had Princess Leia's uh, a couple different Princess Leia outfits. Um, they had Han Solo 
No Luke costumes, though. Interestingly, a um, lot of a lot of Palpatine stuff. A lot of uh, Padme costumes. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Darth Vader was there. So, yeah, I it was it was awesome. I I'd wanted to go to the opening night uh, a month ago. Um, oh wow, was it almost maybe almost two months ago now? Uh, end of January, and I was sick and and couldn't make it. Uh, so I finally got a chance to go, and it was really cool. So if you are in the Seattle area, I highly recommend checking it out. It'll also be moving, touring around the c- country, I think. Um, I think it moves in September, so it'll be here for a while. But hmm. Yeah, highly recommend it. Um, and with that, let's get into our review of Tarkin. Hey, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll do the episode rundown, because you've done a lot of the Please, the please, so. I am tired yeah. of talking. Yeah. Okay. I'll so, just sit here and be quiet for the rest of the episode. <laughs> well, you're gonna have to. Hey, wait a minute. Um, okay. So for tonight's episode, we are going to be reviewing the book Tarkin, written by James Lucino. The synopsis, and this is from the back of the book, because basically it just read, "He's the Emperor's right hand, and he's the Emperor's iron fist." Now, this is the second novel released under the new canon, with major input from the Star Wars Story Group. Well. Now, the best thing I like about this book, I'm just going to get into it. It gives the backstory of one of the a, a, a very, very interesting character. I've always liked Tarkin. This kind of begins five years after Episode 3. You know, all the Jedi have been hunted down. The Empire has turned its attention to the Outer Rim. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because yeah. Tarkin's been a character for, you know, from the very beginning, if you will. Uh, but we don't really we've never known a lot about him because of the period in which he's been alive. Right. If you think like, you know, obviously he's included in anything that can happen during the uh, between episodes three and four. But people tended to avoid that era because of uh, the prequels and, you know, it just kind of generally being off limits. So mm-hmm. we never could get any backstory in any books. Um, we started to see him show up a little bit in the Clone Wars uh, or in the prequel era, but even then, you know, Tarkin's ideals don't quite mesh with uh, the Old Republic's, so it never made sense that he was a major character because he's just he's not that type of person yet. And so I, it's one of the reasons this worked out really well is this is we can finally talk about who Tarkin is and find out what makes him tick, so to speak. Okay, so I take it that when it comes to this character, you don't have a problem with actually getting a backstory to a character because I've thought about this. A lot of people want to get a backstory to Boba Fett and I like Boba Fett having the mystery behind him. And when it comes to Tarkin, it was one of the things in which it's like, do I really want to know that much of his backstory or can I leave it as nebulous as, as Boba Fett? And I think this book, because and I know on a podcast we did before and we, uh, the, the first time we saw Tarkin in rebels, I really went off on this book because I loved how we actually got to see a good part of Tarkin and understand him. He is a character in which I appreciate they wrote a backstory for him and gave this book the way they did. Yeah, so we'll we'll talk about this more. I'm I agree and I disagree. I'm happy okay. we got a backstory for Tarkin. I am not necessarily even though I found so let me put it out there. I found the book interesting. Yes, I, I have to agree with you. Yes, but it so it it has. This problem that I, I don't know if it's unique to Star Wars, but it's we've got a major character who's never had a backstory before. Let's give him a backstory and let's make his backstory extraordinary. Like it's not it can't just be that 
Tarkin suddenly showed up one day or that Tarkin was an average guy who was, you know, had a lot of ambition. No, it's Tarkin is, has this unique backstory where he was on a spike and he was trained in, in the wilderness for years upon years. Like it, but but to an extent, the way that I read the way that I read this, it's almost as if he went through his own kind of Jedi training. Oh, certainly. It. Yeah, and and the way that I saw it, it was more. It wasn't. You can't say it was like almost a Sith training, but it was. Some of the stuff was just brutal. I mean, uh, there there was a section I think I put on here on page like thirty eight of the book. Oh, where's my note? Um, Oh, where's the book? There's like a section in which the the parents, the mother just said something to him where it was just here it is, page 34. It's like, you know, the kind of hard life he had, the paragraph started with how uh how would whoa. Now, how would you feel if we if we banish you to the city streets? You know, it's like the hard life he grew up with is like this is his mother saying, you know, if we were to throw you out on the streets, at whatever age he was, you are out there to survive on your own. Done. That's it. Wipe your hands off you. You know, uh, uh, we're done with you. You know, I just, it was yeah, well, his, so, yeah, so go ahead. Book, I'm sorry. I was going to say, so the book's roughly divided into kind of two uh, segments, so to speak, a past, uh, just a past segment that talks about Tarkin's experiences as a child and growing up. And then the future segment, which deals with uh, the present, obviously, and the Sentinel base and so on, which we'll get to. But right. I guess let's maybe we should start out by talking about what Tarkin's past actually is. And that's good. And yeah, and, yeah, and what yeah, we think. Yeah. Because I'll be honest, I, I think my favorite parts of the book were the ones on Coruscant with, you know, the Emperor. But w- when you didn't have those, I think the flashbacks, I actually kind of enjoyed uh, my, more than the rest of the story. Yeah. So Steven, fl- why don't you go ahead? Yes. So the flashbacks <laughs> are to give kind of set the conversation. We find out that Tarkin is uh, the generate. The Tarkins are a very influential uh, family on Eridu, his home planet, which has mm-hmm. been true for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second piece of that is that uh, they're influential within the sector as well. You know, they're a really big name. They've got large swaths of land that are uh, that belong to them. And as Tarkin's growing up, he finds out that eventually he's going to go through a trial of sorts uh, as part of his uh, family upbringing. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Where he gets put out onto the Carrion Spike, which is part of this land that his family owns that's untamed and just kind of basic wilderness with his Uncle Jova. And he'll have to live out there and survive and learn lessons. And eventually, uh, he'll have some final trial, which he'll pass, and then he can—he'll uh, be a true Tarkin, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I, I, like I said, so I—I th- I think it was I was kind of annoyed at the idea that this we have to give Tarkin some uber special backstory about how he's so unique and things like that. But getting past that, um, I really like these segments, except they—it was a little too much of uh, tell don't show, mm. if you will. A lot of. Oh, and then Tarkin did all these amazing things. But I'm not going to tell... I'll just tell you about them. I'm not going to actually, like, describe them to you in detail. But as the book goes along, it does explain the stuff that, you know, they're telling you the story. But they show you, like, when he's tracking... I know I'm jumping far ahead, but when he's actually sitting there tracking down the the people who stole his ship. 
and you're going through that thought process of him in a room basically picking apart you know little bits and pieces and trying to find the connections and that's the one thing when you take all that together that his uncle jova was trying to to impress on him is it's kind of like always look for another angle always look for something else and go from there because there is something there that once you pull that thread everything else falls into place and that's what i was kind of getting from the little bits and pieces there was something later in this book that really bothered me and we'll get there when we get closer to the end. Um, but I, I think all that played into who he was and you see him working everything out. Mm-hmm. So it's, I guess let, let, let's just, yeah, let's, let's finish talking about, I think Tarkin's past and, um, and kind of his backstory. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he, he's a kid and his parents are telling him about this carry on spike finally and this trial and, and one night people come for him and, you know, he's, he's so smart that, um, he's already prepared for this, for this trial. And I guess it happens over multiple summers for, uh, a number of years where he's, mm-hmm. he's out kind of living off the land, um, learning to, to fight and, and, and kill and, and survive, and uh, and that sort of thing and this goes on for for many years and he learns a number of lessons and kind of culminates in having to um stay on top of the uh the, the carry on spike um for uh so this is all that happens on the carry on planes and he, he sits mm-hmm. at the top of the carry on spike and has to um square off against these Viermach. Uh, he has to survive a single night yeah exactly yeah but it's a single night or, or a full day? I think it was a full uh, day. I, yeah, I think yeah, it was a full day. Right. Yeah. yeah, but the night had, was the hardest to... part. Right. And uh, and he, he does end up doing it, but it was almost through more luck than anything else um, because of like the dynamics of the, the Veermach. I think there, were, mm-hmm. uh, there was basically like a coup, and he takes advantage of it by killing the, the, you know, this one Yeah, Veermach. the co-leader. Yeah, yeah, the one the the leader of the coup uh, is killed off uh, by by Tarkin. He he basically just leaves after that. Um, was able to survive the whole thing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the, the the these are like basically told through flashbacks, uh, as as Tarkin describes, kind of how he he grew up. I, I I guess at this point I'm gonna I'm gonna jump ahead because we we dealt with the carrion spike and and how. You know, it was the leader and the shadow ended up pulling the coup. That was the one thing about the book. I loved that whole section of Tarkin explaining to Vader how he how it all happened on the Carrion Spike. But I hated it at the same time because it felt like it was just flat out monologuing. It's like it was a love hate throughout that whole thing. A lot of his background segments felt a lot like monologuing to me. Yeah. It was Yeah, this one was the worst it, it's, one. It's I mean it was the only way I think you could tell this story in some respects because of, I agree. you know, it's unless you're going to try and tell it as if it's happening now, but we already know Tarkin survives. There's not much drama in it that way. Um, but what it really we really just get to see it shows how keen Tarkin's mind is and how uh, mm-hmm. how he thinks. And I I think the biggest piece and the most successful piece of it is 
Tarkin has always talked about, you know, ruling through force and making others fear you, and that's how you maintain control. And all of this really demonstrates how he comes to believe that. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, because it, he's really looking at the galaxy as animals, just like he looked at the, peop- the creatures on Carry On Spike as animals. Yes, they, are, they can be as smart as can be, but at the end of the day, you show them you're the boss and, you know they'll back down, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And they not only backed down, if I remember the end of the story correctly, they left the Carrion Spike. Yes. They were so devastated by, by in, in fact... By that single way, act of... Yeah, of it was force. like Tarkin pulled a coup on the guy who pulled a coup on the original Vermok. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of hard to talk about him, him growing up because it really is basically him telling stories that are mm-hmm. not super relevant to repeat but kind of inform how his character grew over time right you know um i i mean the meat of the story really is um is the whole issue with the the the, basically the pirates stealing the uh his ship basically so they like they they start off by kind of attacking and um uh, they kind of pose as, uh, you know, the they they like were able to fake hol- uh, hologram transmissions and that sort of thing. Yeah. So um, I'll let you take this if you want, Stephen. Oh, I was gonna say. So Tarkin is uh, assigned a Sentinel base, which is the base that is assigned to oversee production of the Death Star, or at least one of, since it's implied throughout the book that you know this the job. To build the Death Star is so big that no single person can can keep track of it or control it or right. know too much, up until the very end, of course. What did? But, sorry, real quick. What, what did yeah. you think of that? Because I feel like they never quite explicitly said Death Star or or anything. They kind of hinted. Well, they kept at these things. They, they, they hinted big time. They keep calling it a battle station. You know, mm. a massive battle station the size of a moon. You know, things like that. That. Imply fairly heavily, I think, that we're talking about the Death Star. Yeah. Um, there is, um, is it Tarkin's Eye? Is that the name? You you guys have no idea what I'm talking about. I, I believe so, yeah. Uh, the first super weapon, I believe, was yeah. Tarkin's Eye. The, the, no, the Eye of Palpatine? Uh, oh, no, I thought no. it was... Ooh. There's, there's one specifically after named after Tarkin. I, uh, I honestly don't remember right now. Yeah, I don't remember That's, it at all. Anyway, um... So it's possible, you know, theoretically we're talking about something else, but I, I find it unlikely. Yeah. No, it's, it's almost certain it's, it's the Death Star. Um, but anyway, sorry, you, you, were, you were saying. Oh, know, so yeah. So Sentinel he's overseeing base. Sentinel Base, um, which is one of the bases assigned to building the Death Star. Um, it's going well. I mean, like, it, things are happening. They're getting stuff done. Um, and... At the very, very beginning of the book, they receive a transmission that Rampart Base, which is a nearby kind of sub-base, so to speak, is under attack. And it's at this point that Tarkin, uh, we see the first kind of beginning of his key, his keen mind. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminded me a lot of Thrawn, actually, to be honest, uh, in the way that it's about, uh, you know, he's he's like, okay, let's not let's not react too quickly. Let's analyze the transmission and see what's happening and make sure that what we think is happening is actually happening. And so he notices that this transmission from Rampart Base seems to be phony. Um, and he, you know, with some keen tactical maneuvering and such, 
uh, sets a trap for the ship that appears, trying to attack Sentinel Base. Uh, so this is kind of the, the big kickoff event for the rest of the book, as they figure out, well, okay, so manipulating a hull in a transmission, especially at this point in time when the Empire controls it quite heavily, uh, you know, how is how did they do this, why did they do this, and who is it? I'll be honest, this this whole... I never fully got drawn in to the main plot. I always felt like I was kind of going along, waiting for it to pick up steam, and it never really did. Like, so, I enjoyed well, I, learning about Tarkin, but I felt like we were just constantly waiting for something big to happen and and the worst that really happened was they stole Tarkin's ship and were flying around the galaxy with it his uber ship that has like cloaking and is the fastest ship in the Imperial Navy and how many times have we heard, have we heard and, that and it also, it also had that one weakness as well yeah, I think it was somewhere along the spine of the ship because they, they, there was no way that they could have manufactured it any differently but there was that one weakness I mean I William I have to agree with you I think I, I I enjoyed mostly the stuff about Tarkin and I and the relationship between Tarkin and Vader in this book, but I kind of agree. It's like when it come when it came to the Rebels, it's like there was a certain point in which I was kind of hoping the Rebels would honestly just give up and disappear because that was discussed in at a certain point. Yeah, I mean, I, I know they had to have some sort of antagonist but mm-hmm. i never felt like they were truly rebels you know it, it didn't feel like the rebel alliance it felt like these random people that had stolen the carry on spike the name of his ship and were just off joyriding around the galaxy and what well, it seemed like they were joy they were joyriding but they also used the holonet to actually get you know it, it seemed like they were using the holonet as a weapon to make the empire look bad. Yeah, and and, and, and that's all. That's it. That's and all it's all revealed be. that you know this is, um, one of the, I think which admiral was it? I I, I forget now. Uh, oh, that's it. Uh, no, Rancid. Uh, Rancid. Yes. Yeah. So uh, Rancid is is involved, and um, you know he he's just kind of like trying to play them and 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 also trying to position himself into more power and authority and that sort of thing. Um, and he gets punished for it eventually because he gets found out that he was kind of helping them in many ways. But, um, but yeah, for the most part, I just, I felt like there wasn't a whole lot of oomph to the story aside from Tarkin itself. And that, and maybe that's why I enjoyed the flashbacks the best. I particularly did not, was not a fan of the scenes, uh, with the rebels on the carrion spike. Yeah, the, uh, I, I agree. The Rebels felt underdeveloped in a lot of ways. And I, mm-hmm. I think my biggest issue is the book itself tried to keep their identity secret to some degree. Um, it kept using names that, because we didn't know anything else about them, were kind of hard to track, like who they're actually talking about. And it's it's all kind of as to build up that so that when Tarkin understands and figures out who they are, that we can figure out who they are and we can go, ah, Tarkin is very smart. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like I, I did enjoy the modern stuff. I think a little bit more than you guys did, but it, they, it was lacking. Especially the anything that dealt with the rebels just felt, I don't know, almost disappointing. Like it was the rebels, but not it was the rebels, but not the rebel alliance. They were just kind of rogue elements, and it just felt 
you know, why are we sending Darth Vader and, you know, Tarkin after these I, guys? I think the main thing was the Emperor was trying to get the two of them to work together. That's the only reason why. It was almost like, I'm going to have to say this, I'm going to date myself again. The old Bob Hope, Bing Crosby Road episodes in which they have to go out and do something. And it seemed like that's what this was. And it was the Emperor saying, you know what? You guys, one's my right-hand man, one's my left-hand man, and if I put you guys together, you're going to have to get out there and kick some butt because this is something you guys need to solve because at some point you're going to have to work together. It even got to a point to where as they're working together, Tarkin has that question of trying to figure out in his mind, who is Darth Vader? And he's kind of trying to piece little things together. Well, Vader's a decent pilot. Well, I remember a certain Jedi in the past that was a very good pilot as well. And then there's other little bits where it's like, could this guy be Anakin Skywalker? I mean, that's another reason why I think the two of them were thrown together. I, I really like that dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. There I think one of my favorite parts was there's a there's a line uh by Palpatine who's you know talking about how, you know, years and years ago he had stumbled across uh Tarkin or heard about him. He went after him because he thought Tarkin was a like like minded person, mm-hmm. and how he at he's like okay I've got Tarkin and I've got Anakin Skywalker great like these two are people are very important for my later plans, and so he comments about how, uh well I'm gonna try and stick them together and make them like each other because you know they're gonna be working together a lot when I'm the Emperor, and how he, he comments like oh well last time this worked it didn't take there was that whole business with uh, Tarkin prosecuting Ahsoka oh, that mm-hmm. was a mistake. But anyway, well, now that he's Darth Vader, let's give it another try. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I loved the, 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 the references to uh, the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. And from, and from even Peel to Ahsoka's trial to, you know, Anakin and, and their, their relationship, you know, uh, the whole um, Moralo Evol. Uh, but there was, also, there was also Darth Vader's uh, lieutenant was a clone. Oh, what was his name? Um, Rex? No, and it wasn't Rex. It was not Rex, and it wasn't. It wasn't. He was promoted, but he was Sergeant. Where'd my book go? But I'm looking at the book right now. But there was because even even Tarkin made the comment that he hadn't seen one of those faces since the Clone Wars to a certain extent, and it was a clone that happened to have been with. Darth Vader. I'm trying to get there. I should have had this thing. Where am I talking? That happens. No, I know. I know. I remember well, what you're Ad- about. Well, there's there's Admiral Rancid, uh, Vice Admiral Rancid here at page 83. Um, oh, okay. Wait, I got to bring this up since I'm on that. How do you love? I mean, we're jumping all over the place. Didn't you enjoy how Rancid got it in the end? Oh yeah. Forced to. Uh, Shoot his, I think, flies escape pod right into into the star. I'm trying to remember how it happened. Or into the well, sun. No, what, what, what? No, 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 no. Oh, no, no. Sorry, he, was... he, you know, he orders the he, he, he was fired off in the escape pod and then orders his ships to fire on him. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yes, you can die in the cold of space, or we can you can order our your men to shoot you. Have fun. <laughs> oh, so great. He got promoted. Um, but anyway, well, well, Tom's looking for that. I mean. So we have the mysterious attack on the holonet with the deception. 
the stealing of Tarkin's ship. Yeah, Tarkin goes to Coruscant, and there's all sorts of Imperial intrigue. Yeah, that was that was one of my favorite parts of the book, like you were saying earlier, William. I really liked seeing how the Emperor uh, essentially uses the squabbling of bureaucrats mm-hmm. to further his own goals, you know? Yeah, and we, he, he makes someone got... like, you know, they all fought in, during the Old Republic as well, but now they fight for me, or, you know, something along those lines. Yeah, and we, we get all sorts of really cool insights into how the emperor treats um the the um, you know, how, how the empire kind of works at this point you know the emperor is now basically living atop the jedi temple um which was which was fascinating and how there had been you know ancient sith power below the jedi temple that the jedi had built on top of and now this is where the emperor is living and they've kind of built it out you know, that was actually an idea that was first introduced in the New Jedi Order trilogy. I yes, believe. Or not was. trilogy, but the New Jedi Order series. Yeah, um, and it, it is now canon. Um, and, uh, and and so we, we got that. We got, okay, so here, here's one for you, Stephen. Notice, I don't know if you noticed this. Uh-huh. At no point in the book, and I actually did a search, at no point was Coruscant ever called Imperial Center. You've got a good point because no, you've got a point because it because if I remember uh-huh. correct, they just called it Coruscant. That was it. Yep. I don't ever remember that. Well, that's not so. Well, that I mean, that's not. I find that interesting, but that doesn't overly surprise me. That was something that they had. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to remember. I don't even remember the last time it was called. I remember hearing it called Imperial Center. Yeah, it, it, it's been a like, while, but I mean, I, they tended to refer to it as Imperial Center during the height of the Empire. Um, we haven't had a ton of books five, set there. We're recently. only five years in at this point, and even, I'm trying to remember, the only time I remember it really being called Imperial Center a lot was during the, like, the X-Wing series. Of course, that's also because I read the X-Wing series like yeah. once a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, um, even then they mentioned that you know the Empire was trying to get people to call it Imperial Center, but people still called it Coruscant because no one would listen to them. And To be honest, I'm kind of glad they dropped that whole thing. I was never a big fan of the name Imperial Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like that they just keep it Coruscant. It makes it simple at this point. But um, but yeah, so we, we had the whole um, the whole scenes on Coruscant. You find out how the, the Emperor's advisors work and then the admirals in the meet. And we find out how... Um, Tarkin becomes the first Grand Moff um, eventually near the end. Um, Tarkin's relationship with Palpatine is very interesting. Palpatine, you know, seeks him out and makes him his right hand guy, uh, politically at least, and Vader's mm-hmm. forcer. And, oh, and then and the other thing about them. this, when it comes to a relationship, we get to figure, we get to find out Palpatine's first name. Yeah, so the way they did this was kind of interesting. <laughs> but it was thrown out there. You have to admit. It was quick, it was one, and that was it. I don't think it was ever mentioned again. No, it was only mentioned once, and it was so random. Just like, yeah. oh, yeah. we we, we want to kind of throw a shocker in there, so let's 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 put in his first name because uh, I think they're they're talking about how how um, uh, Palpatine and, uh, and and Tarkin are pretty close. Tarkin knows Palpatine so well that he's the only one that knows his first name, and he only calls him it in private, and you know. Um, and, and and I think at one point Tarkin looks at him and says something like Palpatine says something like, you know, thank you, comma, Sheev. Yes. And that was it. You know, like makes it very obvious. Like it was almost like they, they had a big, you know, wait for it, wait for it. There you go. Now we're gonna move on. <laughs> Ugh. It was 
I don't know what the point of that was, to be honest. Like, yeah, there was a big you... fervor back in what was it, October before the book was released about Sheev Palpatine. It's a pretty bad name, but whatever, whatever. We're not gonna not gonna dwell on it. I guess it is what and, it is. And speaking of names, I got it. It was Lieutenant Crest. Oh yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Yes, and actually, it started Sergeant Crest. And then it's funny because Darth Vader did his usual, you failed me for the last time, but he ended up coming back and he was promoted to Lieutenant Crest. Interesting. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, we also had Armand Isard name dropped and he appeared in a few scenes and Admiral Yolaren and, mm-hmm. and all these other admirals. So in some ways it was kind of cool because I felt like they're – now they're kind of canon. I mean, their name, their characters are canon. Whether or not they're some of the details are is, is mm-hmm. you know, up for debate. But I like that at least they're not throwing out everything out completely. They're trying to right. reuse a lot of these characters as much as possible. Uh, Even though I know you feel I'm, pretty strongly about this. I feel discussion. very strongly about this because I I disagree. Quite okay. Quite so, a lot. Okay. Okay. So, go ahead. Oh. Don't okay. Don't judge me too hard on this. <laughs> I so I We're I like be supportive. Just just come on out with it. We'll support. I We're like the judge. idea that they're trying to 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 use things from the EU, but especially the drop the name drop of Armand Eisard really bothered me because it it meant nothing. Like it's essentially a way of them patting EU fans ahead. Like oh see we're using the name, like. It's not like that's not what we want to see as people who read the EU. We want to see things that happened previously still matter. At least that's what I want to see. Like I want to find out that oh yeah, our uh, our no, I kept trying to say Izard and Armand at the same time. <laughs> Izard, uh, Armand Izard, yeah, like he he was the director of Imperial Intelligence, and his daughter is the one who like you know framed him and then took over. Like that's the that's what we care about. But instead of giving us that, they're just giving us the, oh, yeah, we'll just give you the name because it'll make you feel better, not because it actually means anything. Because they could choose to never use that, like, use his name again if they so chose. Like, it, it just doesn't matter. Like, I want the EU to matter and to have relevance, and that's, that's not what this did, I feel. Yeah, I, I feel like they're not, they're not, like, focused on ISARD right now. And it's kind of hard to say, like, you know... Oh, this is Armand Isard, and in you know a couple years, his daughter will betray him. You right, know, right. You can't yeah, like I mean, throw all this stuff out, but at least that they're there and they can pull on these things and kind of bring them in as yeah. time goes on. I think it's a better I'm... sign than saying like someone completely new is in charge of you know ISB and yeah, and see that's and that's what where I'm worried about with aftermath is I think they've decided they're going to drop the EU entirely. Like, you know, I've, like right now we we've, we've been kind of hoping that they'll. Anything that doesn't conflict with the new canon will still be considered canon. I think they're just going to drop it entirely because they just don't care. And that that was what I was seeing when they were name-dropping Eisner. They're, they're like, eh, we're kind of placating you, right? It's close enough. And, you know, it's like, I, I don't want close enough. I want it to be to be awesome. <laughs> but, but if I remember correct, at WonderCon, or whenever it was a couple years back, you had Pablo Hildago saying, the Walt Disney Company bought Lucasfilm because of all these characters and he's pointing to this whole thing of characters there has to be a reason why 
they're going to use these characters. You gotta hope that they name dropped for a reason. I've I, always said, I've always said, and it's paid off. If you call attention to something, you better use it by Act Three. You yeah, never but know. That, they see, could use that, this by Act uh, Three. But see, that works when you're talking about TV shows because you know, you if you draw something attention, it's it's a deliberate choice. I know. You can pick a name at random all you want. Oh, absolutely. And the person disappears in the background by the next page. Exactly. Which is, I guess, what happened Which here. Which is, and this is something that happened all the time in, in this book as well, is, you know, we got so many members of the Imperial Court get name dropped, mm-hmm. but not all of them are important. In fact, I'd argue very few of them are actually important. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, I'll say one thing about this, and I was, I'm happy that they did bring forward, they did bring forward uh, Sidious's droid 114D. That was something that was like, okay, well, you know, you you brought that forward as well because that technically was from the Plagueis book to where that's legend. So now that droid's canon. Yeah. I know it's a little thing. It's a little thing, you know, but it was still just like, okay, great. He's still, he's still there. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, we're kind of jumping around a bit, but it's kind of just checking off key it's, points, I guess. But I, but I, I think um, when it came to this book, that's kind of how it felt, though. It, I mean, it really was. I, I felt bad. Like, I wasn't super into the, the whole stolen ship plot, both from the side of the, the rebels and the side of I was doing Tar- really chasing them. I was doing really well until they stole the ship. As soon as the ship got stolen, mm-hmm. it was... You know, as, I feel like that's I think, all they did was just chase them. Where'd they go next? Agree. Yeah, let's head yep. there. Where'd they go next? Head over there. Agree. Where'd they go next? Head over there. Um, well, and, it, it's like, okay, and it was supposed it. to showcase Tarkin's... is an awesome ship, but do we really need, like, okay. Yeah. And like, it was supposed it's got to... its own cloaking system, and it's, it's okay, got wait, impervious armor. It was supposed to shield. showcase Tarkin's brilliance and being able to figure out where they go. Right. You know, and what, what they can do, and, and some of that was, was pretty cool. Mm. But... Um, yeah, overall, it was just kind of meh, I guess. You know, we, we I guess we didn't mention earlier, we get some more flashbacks. We'll see Tarkin and Palpatine's relationship, you know, his time in the Justice Department and, and that sort of thing and how he gets into politics and uh, the, you know, uh, urging of, of Palpatine, that sort of thing. Yeah, but I, I, think, I don't know. I mean... So I, I enjoyed the book. I think a better way to have done this is because they're obviously the book exists to t- kind of tell Tarkin's backstory. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I would, I think what I would have liked to have seen is a single plot thread that goes through Tarkin's past. Yeah. So maybe it's, you know, I, I don't know to be really silly, like a childhood rival and how, you know, Tarkin he's, they were always on opposite sides. And as Tarkin kind of grew up, you know, they continued to do this or uh, something where or his we have rise to up, power in his, quest to become i i wanted to see the past and the present day tied together more tightly and i Mm. i think like like i said the past worked really well but yes the the present didn't and i think one way to fix this would have been to try and combine them and give us Mm -hmm. you know something that's a little more yeah the only parts of the present i thought worked well were the conversations with palpatine and tarkin um because those characters are so interesting and because they Kind of, you know, kind of hinting that I think they say at one point, you know, um, Tarkin suspects the the Sith are like never really uh, 
um, the, like the galaxy doesn't know really about the Sith, and mm-hmm, they right. don't know Palpatine's a Sith Lord, which is which is kind of fascinating. Um, or you know, we get little tidbits like the Emperor, the Empire is still chasing Separatist holdouts as late as a year before the book takes place. So it takes like a good four years after uh, Order sixty six for the uh, the Empire to completely wipe out the Separatists, or the fact that in one flashback, I think Dooku flat out tells Tarkin yep. exactly what would happen. <laughs> exactly you know? what's going to happen. That was going to be a surprise army yeah. to, uh, to to wage war against, and and yep. Palpatine's extended term in office, and and that's yeah, the- not sure I really liked that one to be honest. That was a, again a little too on the nose. Although I guess Dooku did that with uh, Obi Wan oh, with, well. with too. Oh yeah, yeah. did the same. He thing. He loves to tell the truth and, and and just flat out tell everybody what's going to happen, even though. You know, <laughs> yeah. but um, but yeah, for the most part, it was the flashbacks served to kind of inform uh, the reader as to why Palpatine the way he is. But they weren't super crucial. I mean, we had things like, you know, his parents drilling into him, for example, that like life was inequitable and that uh, only those who, with an appetite for personal glory could succeed when needed to be willing to crush underfoot anything or anyone. Uh, discipline and order were the keys, and law was the only unanswerable response to chaos. See, there, um, another... Which is exactly what Palpatine, uh, sorry, what Tarkin is like uh, later on. Mm-hmm. And, and there was something else that I found very interesting. I think at the beginning of the book, you saw Tarkin getting a uniform fitting. Mm-hmm. I know it's just, it's just, it's just, it's boring as heck, but I think there was a, but <laughs> there was an was odd a way to start off the book. It is very odd, but there was a very interesting comment that Tarkin said when he's looking at himself or the the hologram of himself in that uniform. When he looks at it and he goes, it looks good, but I believe the quote is, it will look better with blood on it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think he learned that on the carrion, carrion planes, carrion spike from his uncle Jova. So I think when he first took, when he first took Tarkin, Jova took Tarkin out to the the thing, and there's Tarkin all ready to go, and he looked at him and said, "You know what? You look good, but you look better with blood on you." Mm-hmm. So that's kind of telling his backstory as well. Yeah. You know. One one other part that I, I found interesting, and and Stephen, and, and Tom, correct me if I'm maybe wrong here, but um, because you know I. Well, I've read all the books. I sometimes tend to forget some of the details um, in the in the post Jedi era. It's just been so long since I've read them. Um, but I've, the depictions of I thought of Iriadu were not what I remembered it being or kind of imagined it. Uh, it felt much more backwater. And uh, I think in our, our EU Cantina review, um, uh, you know, it's this. But Brian describes it as almost being. Uh, kind of like Africa in in some ways, kind of uh, you know a lot of a lot of wilderness still, uh, not a whole lot of um, uh, some parts were more cultured and, and 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 fancy and that sort of thing. You know, uh, they had like they did have like the capital, uh, but they also described it as being kind of fake. And while it impressed everybody there, when like people came from from out of town. Uh, or on off town off off planet to visit there, but like, oh, this isn't as fancy as Coruscant or the you know the core worlds that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not how I imagined Iriado. I always thought it was more of a of a upscale planet, I guess. Um, 
than the way it's described in terms. Well, I think. Or, or am I just remembering it? Yeah, I think okay. in the book, they spend a lot of time describing the carry on planes. Mm-hmm. But they do mention that the rest of the planet's not really like that. The, well, that, that's true. I mean, it, that it, it's definitely you know, not it, like planes, but right. it, they also clearly say that, like, for example, he. Tarkin leaves Iriado and lands somewhere else thinking he's all, you know, fancy. And he, it's he, when he's he went not. to the Academy. Yeah, and, he, he and, he's, and academy. he's not at all. And people kind of look yeah. down on him uh, because, That's oh, true. you're that from was... Iriado. You know, you're, you're, you think everything looks great until you go right. see the real thing. And then, right. you know. And I think at that point when he went to the Academy, he had to prove himself to actually get... I, it's, I, I think I know what you're saying. It's almost like they're... Compared to the core worlds, they're in the outer rim. They are a backwater, but they feel they are core world equal. Yeah. Even though they're not. Right, which is never the impression I got from previous books. Well, and actually, so this is something that. But maybe maybe I'm remembering incorrectly because I know there were a number of books that were set on Iriadu. I don't know. Honestly, I can't can't remember. So I think. We're seeing something that gets described a lot in the uh, Essential Atlas, which is trying to portray this uh, conflict between the outer rim and the inner rim and what that looks right. like and why why they've always been at war. And the book describes this pretty close to how the Atlas does, that Ariadu was an outer colony that was successful, but by virtue of being in the outer, sorry, outer rim, not outer the, colony. The Sisuina sector, yeah. Yeah, that it's, you know, there's a sort of haughtiness to being from the core. Mm-hmm. No, I, I guess you're right. I'm, I'm looking at Wikipedia right now, and it does seem to be pretty, pretty accurate, I guess. Um, I mean, they tried to match it to Coruscant, but not necessarily cleaning up. It was still pretty dirty and yeah, uh, yeah, like good planet. Yeah, it's it's the. It's the want to be core world. Yeah. That is, it's enough in their eyes to think that they are, you know, the the upper class. They are disciplined. They are rich. They have everything. Yet, in their world, they are. But when you take that same kind of status and go to Coruscant. They're like 10 steps behind Coruscant, which is 10 steps in front. And the two just don't mix. So. Yep. So I don't know. Uh, That was, I think that's basically all I had. Yeah, I I think, I I know we jumped all over the place and and I think we covered it as best as we can because I, (sighs) I think we've come to an agreement which part of the book we like the most. I hope I'm thinking of this or, or saying this, reading this correctly, mm-hmm. compared to the part of it that it's like, you know, it was like a story that could have been told a little bit different with the other part of it. Yeah. Um, so I'm ready to go on to ratings. Let's, I, let's I really do it. am. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I'll go first because I already, I, I'm giving the book a 6.75. Um, I like the book because I like the backstory of Tarkin and anything that dealt with Tarkin, I really enjoyed. And the, and the, um, the, the bounce off of Tarkin and Vader, 
the the Tarkin and Palpatine, all that kind of stuff was great. It was the rebel part of the book that I think kind of made the book slow. Okay, so I'm giving a seven point five, a six point seven five, um, and I'm going to take my six point seven five Womp Rats. I'm going to put them on the Carrion Spike, and I'm going to let Tarkin deal with them the way he wants to. Short, sweet, and to the point. There's really nothing more about the the book I can say. I liked the parts of Tarkin the most out of the book, except when he did that whole monologuing at the end. But like I said, it's a love-hate relationship with it because I loved it because it was a great backstory and it was in his own words, but I think it went on just a little too long for my taste. So who's next? I guess I'll go next. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, I thought, you know, overall, it, it was an interesting book. Uh, I think more along the lines of Millennium Falcon than Tar- uh, Darth Plagueis, uh, if I were to compare to other Lucino works. Um, I, I normally love uh, James Lucino's uh, novels. Um, I, I, he has great descriptions of things, and, uh, and, and Plagueis is one of my all-time favorite Star Wars mm-hmm. novels. Uh, Tarkin, I feel like he kind of tried to do that again, but it, it just didn't have the same weight and, um, energy that, that, that Plagueis had. I mean, Plagueis was kind of taking place over a long time, but it, in that one, Pal- uh, Palpatine clearly had a goal and you could see where the story was going and how things were pr- slowly, uh, progressing and, and that sort of thing versus in, um, in Tarkin, as we said, there never really was a an end goal aside from capturing a ship. Yep. Um, which wasn't super interesting. Uh, so I guess more along the Millennium Falcon where they're telling a story about Tarkin, but not necessarily a point, I guess. Uh, I felt like it was a story without a, a reason for being there. As there much was as a story without it. a strong ending, I think is what you're trying to get to. Not even an ending, just like a reason for what's the reason we told the story in, in the first place, mm-hmm. aside from just giving you backstory on Tarkin. I can agree with that. You know, um, like the, the the main plot was kind of lacking, I guess. Um, I did think it was kind of funny that we got a, a, a basically a, a reference to oh I forget which is it a film or it's been so long, but basically at one point they're like you know uh, damn the particle beans f- full speed ahead instead of the proton torpedoes, uh, which was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, for, for the most part. It was cool. I like I like the the Clone Wars references uh, and that sort of thing, and the the EU Legends references. But overall, Tarkin kind of disappointed. It 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 took me. I normally read books pretty quickly. It took me. I started Tarkin in mid October and was sixty percent of the way through it um, by end of February. Like it took me a good wow. few months to get just two thirds of the way through the book. I finally wow. said, "Forget it," you know. Restarted from the beginning and read it in a week, and actually enjoyed it a lot more at that point. Um, but I just had such a hard time getting through Tarkin the first time because I felt like it was not making much progress, and I would get bored when I was reading the uh, some of the scenes that we talked about earlier. So overall. Um, I mean, I was going to give it a little bit higher rating, but I feel like 
and I definitely enjoyed it the second time more, but I'm going to give it a 6.5, uh, six and a half Womp Rats. Um, I'm going to take my Womp Rats and uh, I'll just I'll let them go on the carry-in plane. Except oh. for the one half Womp Rat, which I'll put in an escape pod and shoot out the... Oh, man, I forgot about that one. <laughs> the oh. Womp Rat can hit the button to have them fire on them. There you go. Actually, I'll put all six and a half in there. Forget the carry-on plane. I'll put all six and a half in the, in the skate pod and, and shoot them out. So, <laughs> Steven? Right, Steven, you're up. Yeah, so a lot of what you guys have said. I, I enjoyed the book, a lot, especially a lot more than A New Dawn, comparatively. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it definitely was a book that was written. They were, it was looking for a purpose. They, they were, it didn't ever feel like there was a reason to tell this book. Mm-hmm. And like, so when we get to uh, Aftermath, even if that book is awful, that's not something that book will have a problem with because it is a clear reason to exist. It's, hey, we need to get tell the story leading up to episode, uh, episode seven. Uh, one thing we actually forgot to talk about that uh, was probably my biggest pet peeve in the entire thing. Some of Palpatine's scenes where he's you know, meditating in the Jedi Temple... He makes oh. these references like, ah, yes, when we complete the Death Star, I can turn our, Vader and I can turn our attention to our true purpose. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, this is really intriguing. Like, what is this purpose? Like, I want to know. And, and then, like, a page or two later, I was like, yes, our true purpose. We will be all powerful. <laughs> and then, like, I could almost hear the, like, ridiculous evil cackle through the book. I'm like, that is not at all interesting in the slightest. Like, give me something. Um, if you remember, like, Outbound Flight, there's this idea that Palpatine, the reason Palpatine did everything he did is because he foresaw that the Yuuzhan Vong were coming and mm-hmm. he thought only a unified galaxy could stand for it. I was looking for something like that here, not just, ha, 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 I'm evil. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, that's really what it felt like his motivation was. Yeah. Um, that being said, the book was fun. Um, I enjoyed kind of Tarkin. I wish we'd seen a little more character development out of him. Um they, it, he felt a lot like Thrawn, except not quite as three-dimensional. He's, uh, you know, very, very smart and does everything he wants to do perfectly on the, you know, and capable of figuring out anything. But I, I wanted to see a little more uh, devotion to the overconfidence we see in Episode Four. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get a feel that, like, oh, this is this is a fatal flaw of Tarkin's that had, you know, it just happened that at this moment it got really, really bad. You know, or in episode four, this was what this is. It's his overconfidence is his weakness. You know, what your Leia faith in your friends is yours. Yeah, I guess that's not Leia that says that. Thank you. <laughs> I'm missing my Star Wars quotes up in my brain today. Um, but that being like, even without that, I thought it was especially compared to A New Dawn. I, I enjoyed the book. You know, I read it on a plane, which helps, obviously. But it 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 worked, I feel like it, at its core, like it was an interesting enough book that I was able to read and finish it. Mm-hmm. And. That's a good thing. So I think I'm gonna have to give it a six point five out of ten. And uh, it so at the beginning of the book, the rebels put together a stunning uh, hollow net recreation of uh, a battle so that they can you know attack Sentinel base. What you don't know is that all the actors in that book were in fact uh, womp rats. My womp rats. Six and a half of them, in fact. Whoa. Good one. Thank you. Good Very one. cool. Very cool. Well. Coming up on Ion Cannon, we have our season one review of Star Wars Rebels, as well as our um, our review of Heir to the Jedi, which came out recently, and we need to read. 
So uh, I, 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 have, I have it read. Uh, I believe Tom and Steven, you are in progress. I'm getting yeah, through if, the book. If by in progress you mean I have not yet even picked up the book. Hey, then yeah. By the time this episode airs, you'll probably be in progress, right? Uh, <laughs> well, I just started another book, and I really want to read it. And it's actually part of a series that's about six books long, and each book is about 700 pages. So Yeah, uh, you have uh, a I job sh- to do. I know. Words of Obi-Wan. I think I'm somewhere around page 75 so far. Cool, cool. <laughs> I think oh, that's why. So the book really picks up after page 22. Or 220. I don't know. Okay. I don't know what I'm saying. Well, I'll trust you on that. <laughs> you I'll shouldn't. give it a shot. And so then in a couple tuned. weeks. Yeah, and then just, wow, is it like, are we, what, three, four weeks away? I think we're yeah. we're we're less than a month. Yeah. Wow. Four weeks from today, we will be watching the season two premiere of Star Wars Rebels in exactly four weeks. So that is unbelievably exciting. I cannot wait. Yeah. And the four of us get to meet each other for the first time. Yes. We After will. how the many years we've been doing this podcast? Uh, since 2008. We've, yeah. Even I have met up, but it's been seven years we've been podcasting and we haven't met you, Tom, so... Well, you'll definitely be seeing me soon. Cannot wait. So, well, thanks for joining us, everybody. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. And we'll see we you guys soon. Back soon with a new episode. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away, including Rebels, the sequel trilogy, spinoff films, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help the show grow within the Star Wars fan community. Visit our website, ioncanoncast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also get in contact with us by emailing contact at ioncanoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or any of their respective trademark or copyright holders. Any and all opinions are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production of fans, by fans, and is copyright. 2015. Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined. Alright, Yes, a very, very famous character, Tom. That's right.